Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. And joining me again today is Neil and Jaron. Thanks for being with me, guys. Hey, good to be here. Today, we're going to talk about the long, cold battle with COVID-19 because it's winter. I'll be honest, guys. I really did not think we would be 10 months into this thing and still dealing with this at the level we're dealing with. What do you guys think? Yeah, dealing with it really now, uh, especially in our area here in East Tennessee, last last six weeks or so, more than it than ever had before in the previous eight and a half months. I mean, it's been worse here lately than it was or had been since the time it started in March until around Thanksgiving of last year. So not only are we still dealing with it, but I think we're dealing with it in a, uh, to a much greater extent than what we had been uh, early on when this whole thing started. Yeah, we, we here up in northern Wisconsin, definitely, we, I mean, we, we, we have been feeling the heat in our community. We started late in the fall and, and then had a, actually a slight reprieve around the holidays, uh, but in the last couple of weeks here, it's in, impacted us more so. And so, yeah, I, I, I fully expected that, that we would be done by now, or at least even a week ago, I was hoping that we were on the beginning of the end, that we were, we were slowly working our way out, only to have my, my family quarantined for a second time due to uh, close contact. So yeah, it, it, it's getting discouraging in that it feels like it's not going to end. So, so no, I, I didn't think we'd be here. I'm going to be very transparent and I don't know. I think our sheep probably feel this way, but I know I feel this way as a pastor. I've been in ministry now this fall will mark pretty much 20 years of ministry start 2001. A um, couple years off, I guess, right when I first came to seminary there, about a year or two off, but pretty much close to 18 years or whatever. I've never felt more disconnected from my congregation than through this COVID season. Um, the reason I say that, you know, I, I, I want to talk to you guys about how you're handling it and different things. This whole thing has been so divisive and taxing on us. And, and I was just reading an article about how many ministers are, are looking at, somebody sent me one, I haven't read the whole thing yet, how so many pastors are decision wearied from having to just constantly change the plan, change the plan, change the plan. But when we get together and we worship the one true and living God and people are wearing masks while they sing and you can't see the joy of the Lord on their face, it's, it's not the same. When you get out in the foyer after service is over and you're talking to people and they're wearing a mask and you can only see them from about, you know, just below their eyes up, it's not the same. You know, it's, it's like when we have fellowship, it's a bit like eating a sandwich with the wrapper on it. You know, it's, you're getting a sandwich, but it's not like it would be with these masks on. Uh, do you brothers think that's a fair, a fair thing to say? Are you experiencing something similar? Well, well, the mask part, I, I, I'm not sure bothers me as much other than wearing them personally. We all, we all hate that. Um, but, but yeah, the, the discouragement, and you, you're feeling it more because you're a senior pastor and I'm in an associate role, 
And so really the buck stops with you. And that, that is a much more challenging position than I am in. But, but I, I, I think what's been hard for me in the last few months has been going through periods where you don't know what to do. So it's, it's not that you're sick of making new decisions. You just, you are not sure that any decision will work. And, and in some sense, you, you, you're tempted to try and wait it out. But, but if waiting it out requires another six months, we certainly don't want to maintain stagnancy for that long. So, so that's kind of been where I've been struggling. But it, it's, I, I look forward to the day when we can, we can gather again as we once did without some of these restrictions and the fear that's divided us. Yeah, I, you know, and the same with me. I, seeing someone in a mask at church, it, I, I guess maybe just used to that. But the part of the fellowship that hurts is you're not shaking hands, you're not giving hugs, you're not – so, you know, the mask does cover that smile. You, you're not smiling back and forth with each other as they come in the door. And uh, what well, used to be that warmth of fellowship in the lobby before service and after service, um, you know, it's that's a thing that I don't think it's a thing of the past for good, but it has become a thing of the past now for the last uh, 10 months. And uh, same same way with, you know, not – going out to dinner with with families in the church not spending time over meals and, and other things like that it's definitely had an impact there and even you know this past sunday we had a rather large number of of uh, guests first time guests and you know normally you, you make a big deal about that uh, you catch them before service you're sitting out in the lobby to catch them after service and uh there were two different families that i look back on this week didn't even get to say a word to because you know, I don't stand out in the lobby now before service. I come on in the sanctuary, and uh, I don't stand out in the lobby after service now uh, just because of this whole COVID thing, and it's become even more and more wearing, you know, as the time continues to go on. Now, Jared, you were just sharing before we started, there was an article that was in the Baptist Reflector, it's a Tennessee State paper, about the impact that COVID has had on pastor church, uh, pastors of churches and leadership in churches. What is What are some of those numbers we're looking at now at this point? Well, I know that uh, it says that as far as pastors, staff, and family members, just in Tennessee through the Baptist associations, 895 of pastors, staff, and their family members have been infected, 41 deaths among that group. And then it, it goes into, uh, I think, just talking about the mental pressure and the physical uh, tiredness that is is coming on and impacting so many pastors ministers and and staff members through all of this i think part of that has been also dealing with you know you always have people in the church that disagree when a decision is made and you got people on all all over the spectrum we've talked about this before we've had other COVID episodes we've had a few but you know, some people who just do not want to wear a mask, they think that the science behind it is faulty and that it protects nothing or no one at any point in time. And you got some people that are scared to death and they won't go anywhere without a mask. Some of them may even wear a mask in their car by themselves. I don't even know, you know, and you got everywhere in between. So, you know, dealing with those and just the struggle with people having patience with each other and people having a degree of um, understanding about where others are coming from. Uh, although I'm going to, I'm going to say this because 
I've, I've seen this this past Sunday in our church. We have two services. One is a nine o'clock, which is more traditional. And one's a 11 o'clock, which is a little more contemporary. In the 9 a.m. worship service, I have, I had three members who are they're If they're not 90, they're pushing it and they have not had their vaccines and they were in the worship services. In fact, we had to steady them a couple of times because they were struggling to stand up because of other issues. They weren't sick or anything just of old, because of their older age. And, and um, one, one of the ladies that helped said, looked at me and said, preacher, I'm going to tell you something. If these three members can be here at, at church, everybody else is just making an excuse not to be here. They're just letting COVID be an excuse. If these people are here and they haven't had a vaccine or nothing and they've been faithfully here and what else could I say, but you know what, you're probably right. <laughs> uh, you know, that um, it, it has become an excuse because, you know, I know at least Jaron, you're a few years younger than Neil and I, but Neil, we've lived through the swine flu. You remember that the, was that oh, yeah. H1N1? I don't remember it being like this though, right? No this, way whole new level of uh of the way it was and then um this this is um there was another one i think we lived through in in obama's years wasn't there and all the sars yeah do you remember that one jaron where it was on the planes and people were kind of wearing masks and all that Mm -hmm. so but this one has just been so taxing on uh on pastors because i i don't remember any of those being as disruptive for services i think you got to go all the way back to what the 19 the 19 teens when they yeah. had uh the virus that was carried over here in the 1914 flu so anyhow so let's let's just talk now about uh what have you done what have you found that has been helpful and successful in the midst of this pandemic as you have been trying to minister to your body and then trying to be faithful to the great commission and the great commandments what what do you think has worked pretty well or you can also share what have you tried that maybe hasn't worked well? Well, one of the things we've done that I think just about every one of us will have done as well is, is we've just had a printed out list of, of those who regularly attend our church. And we're, we're constantly going through that, trying to connect with people. And so in one sense, we probably at, at a church like ours, we've increased some of the individual personal connections we may have had prior to COVID because that's the only way we're able to reach out and get connected with people. So, so some of those personal contacts have, have actually increased. Um, but, but, but yeah, that, that I think is what most pastors are doing. I, I have a, a friend who's pastor in Arkansas and he actually was, was relatively new to his church when this all started. And he used it as an opportunity to ask each of his members uh, their testimony. And so in, in, in connecting with, with members week in, week out, he started asking how they came to know the Lord. So, so for him, it became a great opportunity to actually increase his knowledge of, of the, yeah, the faith background of his members. So, so yeah, so I, I think things like that, the personal connections have been meaningful and, and we've had more opportunities for them. Yeah, we, I mean, we are probably one of the few churches right now that, uh, at least in this area, back to Sunday school, Sunday morning, uh, you know, we're not having Sunday night services here on campus now, uh, but doing Sunday night small groups and then having a Wednesday night service. And so we've gone back to really, I guess, a full schedule uh, in many ways on that. And so there's this this staying faithful. Um, there is, 
you know, constantly reminding, uh, reminding yourself that things are not as they always have been. And so you can't, when you look out and see a sanctuary that's half full, uh, you, you can't look and, and let that be your determination for whether or not you're being faithful in the Lord's service and what's going on there. And so I guess there's a, a not getting called up and uh, letting yourself being pulled down just because things are not what they were before, before all of this started. And that, with that comes a recognition, too, of the positives, that perhaps there's not as many with the in-person attendance, but the online attendance has continued to grow. There's still being that connection, the one-on-one connections and phone calls and emails and things like that with those members that are not back yet, but uh, fully expect will be back when all of this settles down. And so there's, there's a holding on with that hope or a, uh, an optimism towards the future. I think that helps. And, and also just leading. Uh, and I've, I think I've come to realize that uh, part of leading right now is being able to, to take the middle road. Uh, Travis, you talked about having members on opposite ends of the spectrum. And, you know, one thing that, that I think has become more apparent the longer this has gone on is that those members who are on opposite ends of the spectrum of this COVID thing, between those who wear a mask when they're even alone in the car and those who still think that, you know, COVID is, is not really that big of a deal. Uh, you you got to take the common sense approach of, of leading and understanding that there's a middle ground here that is, uh, that makes sense. And that is a place where the people you can meet together and continue moving forward together. And I think leading in such a way that you're not pulled too far to either side of that spectrum. Uh, and I think that the more, uh, the more the, the church family sees that, the more they come closer together in moving forward together. Uh, and so that, that's helped as well through all of this. And um, it's, it's been a good learning ground. And one of the things that I've seen and looking optimistically at all of this is that it's allowed us to do some new things, uh, such as start small groups on Sunday nights. That's uh, it's been a big thing for us here, small group ministry at First Baptist Church in Rome Mountain. Uh, that we would not have right now if it had not been doors being opened through the this pandemic and some of the ways that it's caused us to have to shift a little bit of our focus and the way we do things. Yeah, I've heard of some churches trying to do two different types of services where they have they offer one that is mask required and one that is mask recommended so that people could come in and um you know take off their mask if they wanted to the way we do it is we uh we tell people when they're moving around the building you know wear your mask and then uh when you sit down if you you're free to take it off because we've kind of spaced all the seating out within the regulations the cdc's asked for and then we've told them you know when you sing put your mask on apparently singing is the same as coughing it projects out the same way uh, but, you know, we were able to see their faces, but everybody hates wearing them. I hate wearing them. I don't like them. But, uh, you know, on a personal level, COVID-19, I got that for Christmas this year on December the 26th. So I woke up with fever and chills and uh, it was very much like a flu, but with an elevated fever. But the 
uh, elevated heart rate uh, and a lower oxygen level. But the thing that was odd, uh, or the thing we've been struggling with more than any of that, and that kind of went through our family, uh, is that uh, my mother-in-law got it right before Halloween and spent 21 days under sedation and on a ventilator. And then we've had other members here at my church, one who passed away that was on a ventilator, but then we've had others who've had to go on a ventilator. And we did some like digital prayer services for those folks and uh, where people could kind of gather in prayer in other places. And, you know, the platform that seemed to work best here was kind of Facebook and a Facebook live event. And we've just kind of figured out how to actually sync up my Facebook live with the church's Facebook live with our YouTube so that we can do that with the future. And that's been, that's been really helpful in connecting people. I think uh, people have uh, found connections online. And I think that uh, we, you know, we've known for some time the importance of online ministry, but wow, has this season ever shown us how important being present online and being seen online uh, for the sake of the gospel truly is. So Another thing. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it, Travis. You guys were doing it. What would you call it? Meet me at the curb. And yeah, yeah, that was something that was surprisingly, I didn't come up with that one. Uh, a guy that attends here named Tim Walker actually came up with that concept called meet me at the curb there for a long time at the beginning. I, we did it for months. Me and my family would just go out to the curb and we would encourage all of our members. When, this was more effective when we were in a complete lockdown, which it's sort of, of a soft lockdown now, but to, uh, everybody just go out and we would be on Facebook live and it would be short and it wouldn't it Neil usually like five minutes. It wouldn't be too long. So it wouldn't be too taxing on people. And uh, we would just pray for the pandemic, pray for our frontline workers and pray for our, uh, you know, how it was, what our teachers and whatever else was happening in the community at the time. So um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, it was the most talked about thing to me that of all the different things we tried, that was the one thing that people engaged me the most on, which kind of surprised me. But I guess, again, it goes back to my point. I believe in short sermons. So I guess when we do online interactions, perhaps brevity is better than going on and on. I like, you know, the reason I believe that one funeral home director, he's a deacon here. Joe Taylor told me, he said, preacher, whether you say it in five minutes or you say it in 45 minutes, people are going to retain about the same amount. And uh, I think he may be right. And that may be why they like the shorter, shorter bites there. But, uh, you know, you can, you can teach some good theology and you can teach some good, um, you know, you can, you can lay out some good perspective in a prayer time like that. If you're careful in how you construct, you know, those, those, those moments and times of prayer. Um, but my mother-in-law is still recovering from COVID. She's still not able to walk on her own. And so we're still kind of hoping that she can, you know, get back on her feet again. She's taken a couple steps with, with help and then a couple by herself, but somebody was right there, but not able to get up, not able to walk yet. So, you know, it's real and it's had a real impact on our family in particular. Uh, one other thing that I have found, this is probably an old method for pastors to connect, but uh, the power of a handwritten note, right? Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but I wanted to reiterate it. Another thing I found had a lot of impact was just a short note to church members, letting them know that you're thinking about them and praying for them. It's really a connection point, right? Um, a connection point that that we can use. Now, as I was preparing for this, I came across a podcast um, from a podcast that's actually similar to ours. It's Pastors. I think it's called Trench Talks. It's by... Uh, practical shepherding. I can't remember Brian Croft. I don't know how familiar you are. He was at Southern the same time we were, Neil. Their their podcast is very helpful. Do you ever listen to it, by the way? It's very good, but no. It's a good podcast. 
the guy that helps him with that said he did this to help them with their season of COVID. And I, I found this very helpful. He said they took, and I, I think this might be similar to what you were saying, Neil, they took and made lists. They made like, you know, they had um, so many full-time pastors at the church and they had so many deacons and they, they divided the congregation up, all the families in the congregation up into like a list of, um, I want to say five or six, you know, and it was an equal number of families on the list of five or six. And so, you know, he would have one list and he would check on them regularly for like five or six weeks. And then they would rotate that list so that they would have a chance to interact and be responsible for those families for four or five weeks and calling them, texting them, checking in on them or whatever. And I thought, man, that's a really good idea. I think we had some of that naturally happening with like Sunday school and, you know, those different types of arenas that were happening. But I don't know that we had that level of intention and in connecting with every member of the church. Uh, we have a great group of ladies that are greeters here and they sort of make it their business to be the, uh, the connection point for people who don't have a small group or have a Sunday school class to connect with them. And I really applaud the work that, that they have done in doing that. So that has gone well. And, uh, and another thing that has kind of kept our church members engaged here is, uh, our library has, has made a real intentional effort to bring books to and collect books from people that are shut in. Uh, because of COVID. So that that's worked out really well. And I applaud them for their work in that. But uh, anything else that you would say has worked well, or, or maybe even you tried, maybe didn't work well? Well, I, I know up here, we only have about three good months where you really want to be outside other than if you like hunting. And, uh, and one of the things we did as a church, which allowed us to, to space and keep distance yet still gather was we, we, we converted over the summer to do an outdoor services. We have, we had an indoor service early in the morning, then we did a, a larger outdoor service in the afternoon, which which we've got a beautiful campus. There's plenty of a space for people to spread out. And and that's something I think we're going to continue in the future because it'll allow us over the summer to still gather as one body rather than having to fit into two services. So so I think that was something for us that really captured sort of the Wisconsin summer feel where, where people want to be outside as much as they can because otherwise it's a lot colder to do that. And, um, and it allowed us to have space to, to welcome anyone so, so that, that for us was a good one. And, and I'm sure you guys had similar things. I think you guys were doing a drive-in church, weren't you, Travis? Yes, we, we did have a drive-in service for a time. And um, the way we did it was, uh, you know, I feel like we've tried everything through this thing. We, we just bought an FM transmitter. We found one that was priced at about mm, 300 bucks, something like that. You know, this, the drive-in service is not a new thing. It's actually what uh, been around since the 60s maybe when drive-in movies were real popular who was the first guy some guy down in florida come up with it i think anyway um the issue was we had some members you know we we had live stream set up but we had members who didn't know how to pull that up or didn't have high-speed internet and so it was kind of like well what are what can they do that you know we can do and meet them where they are and, you know, the drive-in service was, was suggested. And, and for a while we were actually meeting Elizabeth and has a drive-in movie theater. Do they have one up in Toma? No, we don't have one real close by. They're, they're kind of rare. They're, they're dying out. if not a completely dead thing. And um, so the guy that was there was actually a member at Calvary Jacobs church, which he's not on here today, but, uh, and he was very gracious. He let us use the facilities there and, um, and then we, when we bought our FM transmitter, we, we came back to campus, but we, we built a, um, 
we just, you know, this comes from my construction background. We just took a couple of six foot bucks for scaffolding and built a, uh, a stage out of that. And I just, you know, the lady that leads our music, she climbed up there and then I climbed up there, had to remind her she had to quit wearing the certain apparel. She had to go, you know, wear pants and things like that, you know, to be up that, that high. So anyway, but, uh, but it seemed to work well. And, uh, you know, uh, we, um, you know, the people seem to enjoy it. Now I did notice that it started out with pretty good attendance, but then it kind of slunk back a little bit. I think people were happy with it because it was better than just being online. It was almost like it was just good to be at least at the same campus. And then, uh, and then we kind of pulled back, you know, and now it's, it's winter here in East Tennessee. We're in the coldest, harshest part of winter here. And uh, so, you know, it's the drive in. We still have people that come in. We still broadcast with the broadcaster, but they can't see what's happening in the building at that time. So, yeah. So, so could I ask Travis, what, what have you guys been doing to, uh, to, to sort of sustain yourselves, to minister to yourselves in the midst of this? Mm. Mm. That'd probably be in the failure category. <laughs> uh, I, I think what helps me more than anything is being around other brothers that are in uh, pastoral positions and, and talking with them and, you know, kind of letting your hair down a little bit with them, but then also uh, reading uh, I found a lot of comfort in Martin Lloyd Jones's book that I've been reading a biography we got from a conference that we attended not too long ago. And uh, that's been real helpful, particularly in this time of political unrest and the political unrest that they found. Uh, Lloyd Jones has brought a level of clarity and help to me personally. Uh, I've also been, uh, I started bicycling more this year on the physical side. We have a Tweetsie trail here and uh, trying to do that. And, uh, so that's been therapeutic for me to get out on a bike and take the kids out. And that's a lot of fun. Even bought a special, uh, I don't talk about it much. I have an old beat up Jeep Wrangler that I love to drive. And I, it may sound crazy, but I love taking the top off on a warm day and just going for a ride. Like it is therapeutic. And then of course, fishing is always therapeutic and self-care for me as well. So what about you brothers? Yeah, mine, you know, spent more time, uh, more time in the word and in prayer this year. Um, but also had to, you know, just come to realization, you, you do what you can do right now. And, um, you know, having all this extra time now from not being in hospitals and not being in the nursing home, uh, allowed more time for conversations, such as you mentioned with pastors, uh, with my deacons, uh, other church members. And, uh, so I, you know, that, at times uh, being on the phone can get burdensome, but then when you find yourself, it seems secluded. Uh, the, the phone calls have not been as burdensome, especially when you're getting to talk to people that you don't see every week now uh, and getting to talk to those that you don't get to go have lunch with ever, every week. Now, you know, you miss that conversation. It's always, uh, you know, somewhat of a delight, re-energizing, refreshing, good to catch up and, so that's probably a little, a little bit different light up to it as well. Um, but, and just more time with the family, you know, there's been more time with two little girls and wonderful wife, Carly, and appreciated that, enjoyed that. And, uh, trying to, trying to stay laid back with it all, you know, not letting the pressure get, get too deep, but, uh, right now riding this thing out, uh, 
riding it out and looking towards the end. We've got a good number of our congregation now that have started their vaccine. Some have even gotten both rounds of their vaccines. We got, you know, more people coming back, more people getting comfortable uh, with all of this. And so just keeping, keeping an eye towards the future as well has been helpful. How about you, Neil? Definitely. The reading has been big. I, I, in the last few weeks in particular, um, coming out of a real season of discouragement, you know, we, we, we typically have run our small groups at our church on a, a fall and then a spring cycle. So we, we sign people up in August groups run till about just before Thanksgiving. Then we sign them up in December again for groups that start in January. And, and we've really gotten off of that pattern because it's been so hard to plug people into new groups with, with the various restrictions and challenges we're facing. And so, so I, I think that taking time to rest in the Lord, um, and Jaron, some of what you pointed out about recognizing um, our, our rooted identity in Christ, um, and, and and that we're you know His affection for us is not based on our performance, has has given me some peace. I, I uh, reacquainted myself with a book that I think I probably read in seminary. Uh, Brothers were not professionals by John Piper. Recently, uh, shared it with a uh, one of the new pastors at our church, and um, and that's been an, an encouragement to me. So so taking more time to read. Um, Family time has been phenomenal in this. I really, you know, you hate to call any season of such challenge and difficulty a blessing, but those early months back in, you know, the end of March and and, and into April when we were locked down pretty severely and, and really spending a lot of time at home, um, we yeah, we've got we've got three kids. Uh, my daughter at the time was ten. My my twins were seven. Um, being able to be with them on a regular basis was was really a gift, especially in light of our normal routine as pastors um, that so often has us away and not at home in the evenings. Uh, being able to have that that protected and special time with them was was good. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Spending time with the kids has been one of my favorite things, if there was anything to favor out of this. And I think they got um, – and you know we just came out of a season being locked down in the house together there with covid and uh so it, we spent some we spent some hours together and that was a blessing I, i've, right, I've got to ask based asking, on that travis are there, are there any games asher can take you in now uh, oh man asher can uh you know he's good at the new stuff but i'm good at the old stuff we got an old nintendo 86 like one of those <laughs> retro ones he can't, he can't match me in Mario, you know, three, but to Super Mario Bros. three, but I can't match him in Fortnite. So, you know, and there's another fun game. I think my favorite new game that he plays is this one called, um, it's kind of like a combination of like racing cars and like soccer and basketball. I can't think of the name of it. It's like, it's a weird mashup and uh, it's like demo it was more demolition derby i guess demolition derby meets basketball is kind of what it is but it's a lot of fun and uh you know when we were kids you know you'd go outside and shoot basketball down at the church or you'd go ride your box you know what i mean and go play in the woods whatever but kids now man they can't really do that so online gaming is their basketball court that's their woods they play in you know what i mean and uh you know, my son told me the other day when I was taking him to school, he said, Dad, I hope, I wish COVID would go on forever. I like being at home. And, you know, he's my home, my homebody. And I said, Well, there are certain aspects that I do hope continue, but there are some things I'll be glad to be rid of, like these, these masks. So, anyhow. Mm-hmm. All right, brothers, well, thank you for being with us and thank you for joining us again. Hope you'll be able to tune in with us next time. 
and uh, have a blessed day. And remember, the journey with this may be long and hard. God is in control. And so enjoy every season, even hard ones. There are things that we can give praise to God for. All right. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.